Who's Bekistan? Where's Bekistan? Why's Bekistan? How's Bekistan? Beck is in Uzbekistan. What's going good and what's going bad? And she's live from Tashkent, Uzbekistan, in the heart of Central Asia. I believe we're on episode five. Either way, we are rolling along here in Central Asia. So, what am I excited about? What am I puzzled by? And how long do I plan to stay? So, um, it's been Thanksgiving this week. And I am just generally a big fan of having the expat holidays. Um, and and so far, uh, hasn't disappointed. So, um, Thursday, Thanksgiving, I went over to the business that I used to freelance at last year and visited with my old friends, and because uh, that's their slow day because they're an American company, and I just I just had a great visit with all of them, and I just appreciate them tremendously, and all of them are just massively high caliber people. Um, you know, most of them are you know young Uzbek guys and one thirty two year old Uzbek woman. Um, which, you know, their their help and friendship was invaluable to me all last year and continues to be continues to be invaluable to me. So that was Thanksgiving Day or evening, however you calculate it. Then the focus of my what I'm excited about is last night I went to my staff Thanksgiving. And one of my complaints about my school has been that I'm very isolated and there's not been opportunities to meet other teachers. And so, um, you know, when I got the invitation, they were they were having a Thanksgiving meal for the staff. I was like, well, I'm going to go. And then the day before, I got a message from one of the organizers asking if I would give a little speech about American Thanksgiving. That's a whole, I could do a whole other episode on that. But uh, just in short, um, I gave the history of the song Alice's Restaurant. And the big boss man, head of the school, um, helped me lead a sing-along with it. That's going to become significant in some future episodes. But anyway, I think. If I can see where I'm going with this long term. Um, but yeah, so um, the only other two teachers in my program there were two teachers that I already know. So it, it, didn't, it didn't lend itself to a lot of collaboration from my staff. But most of my staff are local teachers and, you know, in this very conservative culture, you know, or home caring for families or work other jobs. So, um, but, but, you know, I, but I got to meet a nice cross section, you know, of other, of other teachers at the school. And yes, uh, you know, at this kind of event, it does lean more heavily on the international staff rather than the local staff. But I, I would say it was maybe like half and half. Again, that's not really representative of how that, the of the whole university staff, it's much more locally heavy. But yeah, the international people are who tend to come out. Um, so, you know, and it's, it's diverse. You know, there's several uh, Indians, Russians, maybe Bangladesh, um, uh, Georgia. There's a visiting professor from Greece and her husband who I sat with. Uh... 
my my two people from my department, one is Serbian, one's Canadian. Uh, oh, somebody was Brazilian. So um, yeah, and I, I'm I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting some. So you know, not that I necessarily got to meet all of those people and you know make fast friends with them. You know, it was just reassuring to know that they did exist and. Silos in a university are a universal problem, but, you know, maybe I'll at least see them around occasionally, can say hey to try to, you know, try to build some better connections there would definitely, you know, be a valuable asset in my life. So, opportunity to kind of see who teaches there, but, you know, with the, the local staff and the international staff who was there, I was very impressed with them. Um, I mean, it just seems to be a higher quality of person than I'm used to dealing with. Um, definitely two of the local staff that I talked with, they both had, uh, one had been a Fulbright in the U.S., one had gone to high school and graduate school in the U.S. He, he had a completely American accent. Um but yeah, that you know, I mean, these just are people who have a very strong, a very strong educational background, and you know, have had had a wide range of experiences, and you know, I don't know, if, I don't think all of them have PhDs, but a lot of them do, and yeah, I mean, it just kind of, I mean, it just kind of showed. So, um, and I'm not saying that is a negative in previous situations I've worked with. You know, I just happened to happen to notice this about this crew that it really is the um, it really is the educated crowd who works there. Um, I, I actually felt like the redneck, you know, unqualified American rolling in teaching at the American University. So um, it's actually I'm not I'm not putting other people down. I'm actually putting myself down. But but anyway, so that was that was refreshing. And like I said, I hope some of those friendships will develop, I don't know, that kind of remains remains to be seen. Oh, somebody was German, I think somebody was Chinese. So, yeah, I mean, it's it was, um, it was diverse, which I enjoy. What am I puzzled by? So, taking a sharp turn, and, you know, this isn't, like, directly about living in Uzbekistan, although it seems to really be a thing here that I deal with. Deal with it some in the states, but but recent events, this thing has really reared its head. As you know, I'm female. As you know, I've never been married and I have no children, and I'm very happy about that. And you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily create that. I sort of created that. But mostly, it's just how my life unfolded. But but it is what I wanted, and I'm grateful I have the life I have. But it is pretty rare for a woman at my age to not have children. I know there are some, but by percentage, to find a woman over 40 who has not had children, there are not many by percentage. So, I know people want to say, well, what about so-and-so? Well, what about so-and-so? Yes, there are some, but by percentage, it's very, very small. 
And, of course, here locally in Uzbekistan, I mean, it's ostensibly unheard of unless someone has fertility problems, and that's a whole other issue that I've tangled with recently with someone here, two people here recently. So, um, but anyway, but, but while I'm here, I've, you know, there's a sort of, I'm trying not to say too much in case somebody can figure out who these groups are, but there's basically two settings here, two groups of international women that I interact with socially from time to time. And when I am with these groups of women, you know, it's just like I'm sitting there and I'm just like, one of these things is not like the other. And I just quite, I don't quite know what to talk with them about. I mean, other than like school or something very general, you know. And I mean, it's just me kind of looking around like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to act. And I just somehow inherently feel out of place. And it, it does bother me. I mean, I don't mind interacting with them occasionally, Particularly one group has native speakers of English in it because that's one of my only opportunities to speak real English. Um, but, but yeah, and then the other group has women who are mainly here with their husband's job and they don't work. And they are from various international settings, not necessarily the English-speaking world. And I mean, I mean, they're just like aliens to me. Like, I mean, I just can't even imagine what that's like to have spent my, you know, huge portions of my adult life trotting around with my husband's job and the isolation um, and the isolation and, and boredom that these women face and the sacrifices they've made to their career and you know, their children more seem okay because, you know, their children go to the international schools and, you know, they're getting a very rich experience. But but, but it, to, to lead to the puzzling thing here is, is it's like, why, you know, wh what, what is this about? Why do, I, why do I feel so out of place? Because I do have female friends and I have female friends that I value tremendously and if, boy if I'm upset I'm gonna talk to a woman so it's not that like oh I don't value female friendship because I do but just somehow inherently in social situations if I'm in a group of men or I'm in a more of a mixed crowd I don't know just somehow I know how to comport myself better if that's the right use of the word comport I'm not exactly sure what it means but yeah, so like, I mean, and maybe that's, you know, in my 30s, I rode bikes with men a lot, um, you know, other athletic stuff in this era of my life. Oh, oh, throughout my life, I've played music with men, both when I was a clarinet player and now as a, you know, sort of more of a folk musician, played tons of music with men <coughs> um, in this era here in Tashkent. You know, play badminton with men, play pool with men, mostly who goes to trivia is men. I mean, and there are women here and there, but it's it's much more core. It's much more core men. And I just seem to I just seem to have more in common with them and, and know what to talk about with them. So it becomes the chicken or the egg. 
like, do I have more in common with men because I don't have a husband or a child? Or do I not have a husband and child because I inherently didn't want a female role? And and let me just fully note, I do not have any gender confusion. I'm a woman. I like to be a woman. I feel like a woman. I'm in a woman's body. I'm a woman as a woman's body. Um, that is not the issue. So, anyway, uh, you know, just how these gender dynamics play out. Um, when I was in China, I was with all men. You know, only a few Western women on the periphery, none of which I was particularly close with. So, um, um, anyway, I don't know. That's just what's on my mind this morning. And um, I'm sure I can't be the only, you know, person who feels that way. But, yeah, um, but tagging back the infertility thing, you know, in the these cultures of this very traditional, these very traditional cultures, I really have newfound compassion for the women who deal with infertility and couples who deal with infertility. Um, someone I worked with previously here, they had not been able to have a baby, had been trying for five years, then she got pregnant, then the pregnancy was not going to continue, and, like, I mean, like, she said, like, you know, like, her mother-in-law was mad about it. And I'm like, it was not your fault. That's not your fault. And then another uh, international woman I know here from a Southeast Asian country um, also said she didn't have children. And she's like, yeah, we keep trying and we keep praying and, and we keep praying and so I need to fill my time so I'm not bored here. And you know, it was just it was just really, really sad. And you know, I had not really considered it from that point of view of I mean, of course I've known people with infertility, but you know, just sort of hearing them explain the the pain and disappointment that goes with that and how it's magnified where in being from a country where people don't really make that as a choice, um, that would be very unusual for a couple just to decide, no, we don't want to have children, um, where there's just big, big expectations to have big families. So um, I definitely have some newfound compassion for that. Anyway, how long do I plan to stay? Well, in about two weeks. I'll be making a short jaunt to the United States where I will be frantically grading essays there. Uh, you know, then queuing up, you know, queuing up for next term here and seeing where it goes, seeing where it goes from there. But in the meantime, I'm rocking along through year three, year three in Uzbekistan. So whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, Perhaps the Central Piedmont or anywhere or anywhere else. Thank you for listening and I look forward to sharing with you next time.